you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Welcome to our kind of pod. Stanton and I begrudgingly revisited the Oregon loss to break down how exactly that game crumbled before our very eyes. Uh, but after peeling the bandit off, we talked about the path to the Rose Bowl, why we're huge Kook fans this weekend, and did the usuals breaking down the Pac-12 race, the national scene, and our great cats and OKGs of the week. Enjoy it. Uh, I'm, we are live though, so that, that's part of it. Um, I am here with uh, with Michael Stanton, the uh, pretty much the only guy I could imagine that I could I could summon to uh, to talk about a Huskies loss, um, an excruciating Huskies loss, just a few days after it happened. Um, he's uh, he's he's truly dependable in that regard, and that he will commiserate um, with me on that. So thank you for for doing this, Stanton, after uh, what was a gut punch on Saturday. Yeah, this is uh, a game I have just tried to avoid for the last couple days. Um, I have actually texted uh, several people close to me and just straight up told them not that I'm not going to talk about the game with them. So this is a bit of a coming out party in some respect that uh, finally talking about the game. But uh, I guess that's the responsibility we have on this, don't we? Yeah, exactly, exactly. The people, the people need us um, to talk Correct. about this. It was, it was tough. I mean, pod prep is like usually. I mean, even after Auburn, it was like, oh, so much season left, and you know, eh, we got this going on. Oh, look, Ty Jones. This one was was tough, <laughs> even even though I think that we played um, extremely well in some respects. But uh, yeah, let's 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 break that down. We'll go right into it. First down here, we're going to talk about what everyone probably wants to talk about, which is the end of regulation. Uh, dogs end up losing 27-24 in overtime, or is it 30-27? I forget. 30-27. to There we go. 30-27 uh, in overtime. Uh, it was uh, 21. Boy, I am just all over it right now. Uh, it was a tie game heading into to overtime. Um, the Huskies had the ball. They got the ball back on their own eight-yard line with 5.05 left in the fourth quarter. Tie game, um, uh, you know, matriculate the ball down the field. Eventually, you're looking at a fourth down from the 33, Oregon 33, for a 50-yard field goal with a minute and 11 left. Uh, throw a beautiful, gutsy out route to Sean McGrew to move the chains. Uh, next play, Sean McGrew goes for eight yards. You're now down to the 21. Timeout, University of Washington with 41 seconds left, second and two. You're on a first or a, a second down play. It's a one-yard gain to McGrew. And then Washington takes a timeout with three seconds left. And basically, you know, the problem here is that Huskies could have taken a, a, a timeout with, with 35 seconds left. It's third and one. You still have one timeout left, but instead they called it good. Kick the field goal. We all know what happened after that. Peyton Henry misses the field goal. It goes into overtime uh, and then game over. So um, I don't know. It was, uh, it was a tough situation, and there's kind of two sides of the coin. It seemed to be pretty polarizing of – you know, is it the the make the kick camp? You know, just just hit the damn field goal, kid, or was it the wow? Uh, we kind of mangled the end of that game, irrespective of the kick. What? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I'm I'm more so in that I don't think it it's as big of a deal as people are making it. Um, it is. I will agree that it is kind of weird to have 40 seconds in a tie ball game and just let it trickle down to three before calling timeout. But um, at the same time, I'm 
not really convinced that one play is going to really make a difference. Um, there's so many things that can happen. Like if you run the ball, you could fumble it. You could, if you throw the ball, you could throw a pick. Um, I, I, I just don't think like, let's say they run the ball and they get like three yards, you know, what is, okay. We're three yards shorter, uh, field goal attempt. I don't think distance wasn't an issue here. He mm-hmm. just flat out missed it. He wasn't accurate. Um, you should be able to to depend on a Division One kicker to kick a 37-yard field goal. And I'm by no means putting this game on Peyton Henry at all. I want to clarify that. I'm just trying to defend the decision-making of the coaching staff um, just to – I just don't think it, it's as big of a deal as a lot of people are making it. What do you think? I I agree. I mean, hit the kick, right? That's 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 sure. Your, that's your responsibility, Peyton Henry, Henry to hit, kick, hit the kick. However, I do think that you know, in in every way, more could have been done to set up that kick or even avoid the the potential of having to kick at all. So mm-hmm. my big problem is that you know after that McGrew run to make it third and one, thirty five seconds left essentially after McGrew gets off that pile probably with the timeout. You can call the timeout uh, right there, and you have the whole playbook at your disposal. I mean, you can run two shots, or you can run a, a shot to the end zone. Uh, you can run a quick mm-hmm. out route to reset the chains. You have, uh, you know, a, a senior quarterback who had been playing his absolute tail off the second half, and Jake Browning. Um, you know, uh, Ty Jones had been really starting to open up that game. You have Aaron Fuller there to to kind of work the middle of the field with that timeout as well. I just don't understand. There's, there's just not a great reason to not continue to push the ball in that situation. My, my, thinking, I, my thinking is like, at, at that at that juncture after the McGrew run, what would Oregon want you to do? Would Oregon want you to continue to attack true. them, right? Or would Oregon want you to pull up right there with a red, redshirt freshman kicker? And the answer well, is... Well, in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, very true. But unequivocally, with Oregon having two timeouts and the ability to ice a kicker, they would much prefer that situation uh, than to have UW attack them offensively because I think that at that juncture, you know, we had Oregon on their heels and just pulled up a little bit short of of the of the kill shot, if you will, at that position. So I was um, I, in the moment, it felt right. It was just like you know, let's let's get there. But in hindsight, I think it's it's a situation that was really a blown opportunity to to um, to, to to truly go out and win that game rather than hope that that game kind of came to them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, to- I agree with every point you made. Um, at the same time, I am, I, I think I, I'm more of a realist where I'm like, okay, you have one shot. You have one play there, basically. Um, maybe two, but probably one because you only have one timeout. You don't want to do, you know, you don't want to screw anything up on that time management side of things. But what are the chances that you really would have gotten a meaningful amount of yardage on that. I mean, yeah, it's possible, but I mean, the odds are low. Um, so yes, it would have been nice to have the opportunity, but at the end of the day, I think we probably would have still been looking at a similarly distanced field goal that he very well could have missed as well. So, I mean, we'll never know. I just think it would be a waste of time to hang so much of your attention on what could have happened with that one play when there was, you know, 59 minutes and 20 seconds of football that occurred before that. Oh, for sure. So. And then after that too, there's plenty to talk yeah, about. Yeah, very true. Mistakes that were made. Um, you know, the, the fourth and the fourth and inches 
uh, almost like kind of butt fumble situation that happened with with Browning on on two drives before that earlier in the fourth quarter that could have been three points right there is certainly something that you can point at. Um, but I just I you know the next or last night I'm watching the the Packers uh, 49ers game. I don't know if you watched that, um, but the the game is tied with a minute left. Uh, Green Bay goes down to the to the San Francisco 28 yard line with 10 seconds left. So you're looking at a 45 yard field goal. Mason Crosby, an NFL kicker, obviously a different game. I understand that, but Green Bay still ran two more offensive plays, and and the, uh, ran it. Aaron Rodgers, Jake Browning, right? There is a gulf there to talk about in terms of the mastery of the um, the quarterback position. However, it, I think it, you know it just goes to show that in that situation when you can attack, do it. And they had no reason to not yeah. run that extra play. I think back to, to when we were kids, the the BYU. Uh, UW game where the, there was the excessive celebration play that moves Jake yep. Locker and or moves the kicker back 15 yards after the Jake Locker throw in the air that can, changes the entire trajectory of a kick just that 15 mm-hmm. yards if you gain 10 12 15 yards there I just think that that is a much easier kick for Peyton Henry that you have the potential to set up um, and you chose not to not to go with that obviously like you said turnovers is in play there and and that's that's certainly something that um, you have to consider. But I just, I mean, worst case scenario, that turnover happens and it still goes to overtime. I mean, like, wouldn't you want to set up the best possible field goal that you're going to do yeah. um, in, in that case? And that was I, that was tough. I think this is also partially me just wanting to protect my well-being and <laughs> not really think too much into it. Sure. So at the time, I was just like, well, great. We have a chance to win the game on this field goal. Okay. Yeah. It was interesting, though. I definitely, it was weird watching that amount of time just run off for sure and i think that maybe part of it too was uw was expecting oregon to take a timeout in that situation um yeah so there's probably a, a weird balking situation where you're waiting for five ten seconds and then it doesn't happen and then it's like well at this point we might as well just take it all the way down um so i think that that's certainly possible and something that peterson might not have copped to as much uh that they weren't in control at that position but um yeah i mean he even said he would he would have liked to do over in that situation i think that uh, that's kind of the benefit of hindsight. Um, do, you, do you want to talk about overtime for a second? Because I, I had more qualms once we got into overtime. Uh, yeah, why don't you go with that? Yes. I want to hear what you have to say. All right, so first first play, you get 19 yards off a of Kamari Pleasant draw up the middle, yep. which is just awesome, right? You're down to the down to the six-yard mm-hmm. line, first and goal at the six. Uh, next play, you run Pleasant down for three yards, so second and goal at the three-yard line. So you have two plays before you got to kick a field goal Perfect. there. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're in, you're in an amazing situation now. Granted, uh, given the history of this team in the Auburn game, maybe being at the goal line isn't a great situation. However, your two plays at second and goal at the three with the senior quarterback. Um, you know, you think about the team's best weapons here, uh, who are healthy: Aaron Fuller, Ty Jones, Drew Sample, Kate Otten, Jake Browning. None of them got involved in those next two plays, really. Second mm-hmm. and goal at the three, you run a wildcat with Sean McGrew with Savon Ahmed, who's hurt, hurt so much that he might not even play this week. Runs a, a fly sweep across like he's potentially going to get the ball. He's obviously not going to get the ball. He's been hurt the entire the entire second half. Mm-hmm. That, that play goes for no game. And then the next play is a fade route to Ty Jones um, that really had no chance. It wasn't a great throw by Jake Browning, but it's a one. That was an audible. Yeah, it was like a as well. one-on-one. He audibled situation. out of that. It was, I think, it was going to be a run play. Yep. I, I did read that Jake for sure changed that up to a fade. He saw one-on-one on the outside with Jones. Yep. Um, exactly, and so. and it was it was just 
we can do so much better than that. I mean, there's just a, no reason, I think, to, to take the ball out of Browning's hands for one play and then the next play, you know, go into a situation where it's just a one-on-one matchup when I think that, you know, this, this team had been rolling offensively by spreading the ball around to different people and then all of a sudden that just mm-hmm. goes away with, with uh, the biggest moment of the season. Yeah, um, it's tough because... Wildcat has worked at the goal line uh, against UCLA. It worked if I, a couple times, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, I I don't know. I, I I am not as I'm not of as much help this week because, like I said at the beginning, I've just completely like pushed these out of my memory. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at the drive sheet right now, but like, man. That's, I'm I'm happy. I, I'm in a better place because of it, so I have no regrets. But <laughs> at the same time, I feel like I'm just not helping you out here. No, it's 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 just all a moot point anyway. So it's just my own yeah, like, yeah. my own like banging my head against the wall that you're that you're hearing out loud right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just at some point I would like this team to get it done in a big game against a yep. good team in the fourth quarter. Yes. It just yeah. hasn't happened in the Peterson era outside of the USC game, Jake's freshman year, but that was a USC team that was about to implode. So yeah, it's, it's a little disappointing. It it, it's disappointing because I think we both agree that we still think we're a better team than Oregon. And I don't know if anybody would, I mean, Oregon fans would say that they're better obviously, but I, I think it's, I think it was obvious that we were the better team. It's just we didn't execute. Mm-hmm. We just didn't execute. And that's been like, and I know that's such a cliche and generic thing to say, but at the same time, it's completely what's happening is we're getting in situations that we need to be and then we just can't finish it off. Or we're getting on defensively into situations we need to be and we can't get off the field. Yep. And it's just really too bad because both of our losses this season have been games that, uh, you could argue we were the better team at least the you know the half of the game if not the majority of the game and we were in situations to win both games um and we didn't so it could be a much different looking season right now if that was the case even if we had won this one this weekend i mean we would be probably up to fifth in the rankings if not sixth. you'd be right in the conversation for the playoff but um that's how fine the margins are we lost and now we are for sure eliminated so (laughs) Um, just goes to show you that that it just every week matters so much in college football. For sure, and and you alluded to it, uh, which will transition us to second down. But you alluded to it of just the inability to get off the field uh, on on defense for this team has really been the Achilles' heel, not just for this season but also for last year's dogs as well. Um, so take us to second down and the formula uh, that teams have used over the last couple of years. How do you beat the Huskies? Um, and beat that defense that doesn't doesn't really um, give up too many points, but there's a there's pretty much a clear pattern of how teams are attacking us. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because um, when you look at the defensive scoring of this or the points that our defense gives up, it's the tenth best in the country. It's but if you look under the hood and you look at third down specifically, third down defense, we rank 107th out of 129 Division One teams, which is just awful for a team that's been ranked in the top 10 all season it just doesn't make sense at all uh oregon was able to go nine for 18 on third down um and they they had that third and 11 and overtime 17 yard pass to dylan mitchell was a perfect example of just back breaking uh third down defense where 
that game is extended into a second overtime if you're able to get off the field. And by all means, you should if there's 11 yards to go. Um, so what defenses are or what offenses are doing, and we alluded to it a few weeks back, but um, they're just they're kind of methodically moving the ball down the field and they're getting into those third and manageable situations. But even when they're not in a third and manageable situation, they're still converting more so than than the vast majority of mm-hmm. uh, teams across the country. Um, I don't know if you have any specifics on that, but uh, yeah. it's just frustrating to to be have such a good defense, but they just can't seem to. Here's that word again. Execute mm-hmm. on third down. Get off the field like you should. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. I mean, so Oregon runs 49 carries for 177 yards. Uh, doesn't commit a turnover. So it's a very, very much a ball control, like keep it going. Let's not kill drives with mistakes type game plan, which is similar mm-hmm. um, to how the Huskies went down last year, um, and also how how Auburn got it done as well. Oregon goes nine of 18 on third downs, three of three on fourth downs. Um, pretty eerie, actually. Really? Last year against the three teams that, that the Huskies lost to, we talked about this in the, the pre-pre-Auburn podcast, uh, yep. a- ASU goes 5 of 18 on third down, 3 of 3 on fourth down. Stanford goes 10 of 18 on third down. Penn State goes 13 of 17 on third down. Um, and so in, in losses last year, UW was 53% uh, or gave up 53% on third down in losses 37% in wins this season in the two Massive. the two losses to, to Auburn and Oregon both teams went 9 of 18 on third down uh, um, and were 100% on fourth down so this year it's even worse 50% in losses 40% in wins they are 107th in the country in third down conversion rate on defense um, it is just it's it's just incredible how uh, this team is just I think it's part of it is by design. It's not just like they're on they're a bad defense and can't can't execute on third down. Um, but it's just kind of the point that leads up to it. Of teams are just trying to get themselves into positions where they can move the chains, keep this defense on the field longer, um, and kind of expose them to more and more plays and wear them down over the course of a game. Um, and when the Huskies can't get pressure, that's just how it's just it's going to work um, over the course of a game because. Um, you know, 11th of, of 12 teams in the conference in terms of sack totals, uh, you're not going to do yourself any favor when you have to, um, you know, the teams are consistently getting positive yardage against you. Yeah, and just to reiterate, it all starts up front. So mm-hmm. I we talked about this in, in more detail last week. But, yeah, the lack of the lack of push by the defensive line is – is really killing us, especially on those third down plays where there's a better chance it's going to be a passing play, and you know they just have all the time in the world to make those throws. It just makes it so much more difficult for the back end of your defense. Yep. So it all starts there, in my opinion, because this secondary, we know how good they are, and we know how good a couple of our linebackers are. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the defensive line is pretty good, too. It's just they haven't really shown up yet. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, it's kind of funny. I was talking with my dad, and my dad just kind of, you know, is, was not, is not going to look at footballoutsiders.com to, to find specific stats like this. But he's just like, yeah, I mean, we can't seem to get off the field on third third and long. I, I, wonder, I yeah. wonder wonder how we're doing on third and long. Well, Dad, uh, third and long is defined as being third and seven or longer. Uh, the Huskies are 121st in the country on on uh, third down and long conversion rate, giving up over 30, almost 35% on that play. That's a that's just inexcusable. You you have to be a situation where 
um, you know that that's a no-brainer given the talent on this team that you're that you're off the field at that point and it's just not happening yep, yep. yeah and it, I mean the, the sacks the turnovers being down this year I think are all in conjunction with that of you know the the, the talent in this defensive backfield is not going to be actualized unless you know teams actually throw on them and throw deep downfield um, and teams aren't going to do that mm-hmm. unless there's there's pressure and there's a, a need to do that with third and long situations so um, yeah, I mean, the, the formula is pretty clear. The blueprint is, has been outlined uh, by, you know, ASU, Stanford, Penn State, Auburn, and, and now Oregon. Yeah, well, I, the nice thing is uh, we got a we got a somewhat of an easy run in. So um, hopefully we can kind of refine some of those things before we get into hopefully a bowl game that pits us against or or if we're lucky enough to get into the Pac-12 title game. Right. Uh, pits us against you know some top quality opponents very so. very true very true lots of lots of uh time to figure this out um given the not to dim go ahead not to discredit anybody that we're going up against but right. you know right yeah given this kind of new expectation season uh it's kind of a, a laboratory to, to figure some things out going forward we'll talk about that a little bit later but here on third down just to to, to kind of briefly go over this i mean uh looking at the two quarterbacks in in this game Justin Herbert and Jake Browning. Um, I don't. I don't know um, what Jake Browning's draft status would be. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, was was went undrafted or was drafted extremely late. Kind of similar to Kellen Moore at Boise. Justin Herbert yep. is going to be one of the first uh, one or two quarterbacks taken. Would not surprise me at all if he's the first guy off. Um, Justin Herbert won. He uh, he's going to make a lot more money than J- than Jake Browning in just a few short months. Um, Justin Herbert is very good. I like him a lot, but I just want to throw it out there that, that Jake Browning played his absolute ass off in this game and was step for step with with Herbert in terms of the plays that he was making. I think that given Gaskin going down, Ahmed going down, it was on Jake to make a lot of big plays, um, and, and he stepped up and did that this game. Yeah, he technically had a higher QBR in this one. Um, and that final drive before we stalled out and missed a field goal in regulation, that final drive was shaping up to be one of the mm-hmm. defining drives of his career. Yep. Uh, being given this, given the situation of the game, given the opponent, given where you're playing, just everything that was riding on it, the throw he made the to, to sample down the sideline, 22 yards, just dropped it into the into the sideline where only he could catch it was yeah it was it was really nice so it's too bad that that drive couldn't have ended in something like like that game winning field goal because that was you know that was something for the history books in my opinion but uh maybe we'll get to see that down the road who knows a lot of football yeah i mean that was the biggest drive of his of his career um you know i mean everything it kind of compounds on itself like the last one against Auburn felt big, but this is bigger just because it's later yep. in the season. Um, but you know, he responded, did much better than he did uh, in a in a you know another hostile environment similar to Atlanta against Auburn. Uh, the the final drive with that fourth down conversion to McGrew, just an absolutely perfect mm-hmm. out route. That was like exactly where the ball had to be in order to convert that. Um, every play, you know, every he was perfect on that drive. Um, I wish they would have asked him to do a little bit more on that drive. Uh, and I can't believe they took the ball out of his hands in overtime. Um, but that's a different story, and we've already talked about that. We'll say about Herbert, um, he just doesn't make mistakes. And granted, uh, you know, as anyone playing UW these days is going to play in a conservative game plan, and he executed very well. Uh, but the throw he made at the end of the first half, 
uh, which just a ridiculous touchdown yeah. in the end zone. Yeah. Granite, nice catch, incredible foot foot movement by uh, Jalen Red there to get into the end zone. But that throw is like the single hardest throw you can ask a right-handed quarterback to make. Sprinting to his yep. left, stopping with a with a with a blitzer coming in his chest, and just delivers an absolute bullet. Um, it was that was that was very impressive by Herbert. I had forgotten about that. Yeah, he put it literally where uh, where only his receiver could catch it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Miles Bryant after that play just threw his hands up. He was he was like, yeah. that is that is out of control. Um, <laughs> not the only time Miles ended up doing that in that game after after Dylan Mitchell worked him in overtime. Um, but that's that's uh, you know just the, the skill was on display for 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 Mitchell and for for Herbert in in that game. Um, but just the, the the point of this was to say that we could do so much worse uh, than Jake Browning, and I, I was really proud of the way he responded um, in this game and, and and how well he played, especially given the turnover totally on the on the first uh, the first possession there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so fourth down, uh, kind of a newfound season here, right? This is this is this was a tough hit, um, but all mm-hmm. is not lost. Still, a, a team that that um, has plenty of talent and plenty of ability plenty of um plenty of reasons to be optimistic that things some positive things can still be done uh there is most definitely still a path to get to the huskies uh to get the huskies to a rose bowl uh take us there right how how would it how would it happen for for husky for uw to to end up playing um for a rose bowl championship at the end of the season yeah, so we are fortunate enough that we control our own destiny over everyone except the Oregon Ducks, um, even though we are technically at this very moment ranked ahead of them in the conference, having played one extra game so far. Um, with that said, the Ducks do play at WSU this weekend, which is shaping up to seemingly be one of the biggest Cougar games in Ever. many years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, given the fact that game day is going to be there i saw they're even opening up beasley coliseum for a viewing party and i've never seen that happen for a home game yeah like i've seen it happen for big away games and things like that but literally they will have a sold out stadium that's you know sold out and some and then next door they will have people in the basketball arena watching the game so i'm pretty sure uh, that's how much this game means to the cougs i'm quickly looking up uh martin stadium's capacity but i think it's like 30 something 30 something and then beasley is 19 i know that um that would be incredible if they could fill both of those yeah i mean I, i would be surprised if they filled beasley but that would be impressive um uh yeah, thirty-five thousand for Martin Stadium, um, and then for for Beasley, is oh sorry, I was way off, eleven thousand. But even still, getting getting close to fifty thousand. Still, that's there. bigger than Heck Ed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I um, that wow, should be interesting. Yeah, but uh, so that's a big game, obviously this weekend that'll be coming up right after the Huskies game versus the Colorado Buffaloes. But on top of that, Oregon also has to go to Utah and play the seemingly good Utes who knows Uh, that's on the 10th of November and then they have also in there a home match against the UCLA Bruins which maybe they're good who knows Chip Kelly revenge Uh, game so but yeah it's it's actually uh, Oregon's homecoming game too so uh, that would be quite the quite the game if Chip was able to knock them off on that day but uh, I think I think they have 
uh, five games remaining and three. No, they have six games remaining and four of them are on the road, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So uh, the schedule does k- kind of tilt in the Huskies' favor in that rega- regard. Um, I did find it interesting that the ESPN Football Power Index still ranks UW uh, by and far as the best chances to win the conference at 45%. Uh, and Oregon isn't even in the top four. They have him listed at fifth at 5.9%. So huh. I thought that was kind of odd. They have Utah listed at two at 15.4%. But um, This is to, to win yeah, the conference? I mean, this is to win the conference. Huh. So they really believe, I guess, that UW's going, going to represent the North over Oregon. Um, but anyways, regardless of all those random stats, um, you just basically have to hope the the Ducks lose a game and you win out against a you know somewhat easier finish to this to this uh season schedule wise 60th toughest uh, strength of schedule remaining for the huskies oregon has the 51st so not that much easier but they do have those uh tough games against wsu and utah which you double hit wsu well, already already passed utah as we know so sure. um we'll see what happens I uh, I mean, you know who our fans are here, and I just can't believe that you failed to mention the, the very real possibility that Oregon loses in the Civil War to Oregon State <laughs> to lose out on a shot to go to the Pac-12 championship. I, it's been done do you, before. Do you, know Oregon, do you know who has the worst uh, third down defense in college football? Do they have flat tails? It's good old beavers yeah so not surprised, but, uh, yeah. not surprised. I, that's not happening this year <laughs> i just love the uh the the very real opportunity um if, if the if the cougs win this week um for the third year in a row it'll be a situation in the apple cup where all wazoo has to do is beat u-dub and they make it to the to the uh to represent the pac-12 north in the pac-12 championship um, the first two haven't gone super well for the Cougs in that situation. So a uh, very real chance that that happens, which is kind of crazy, um, given that you wouldn't think that Wazoo has been so close to anything close to a Pac-12 championship appearance, but they really have um, for the last couple of years. So so keep that in mind. Certainly will be a big game on Saturday for the future um, of the rest of the season of the Pac-12 conference. This week, uh, UW does have a game against a, a, a mm-hmm. team that is uh, that is ranked. Um, doesn't really feel like that, um, but uh, UW is playing the Colorado uh, Buffaloes, led by some interesting talent. Uh, you did pretty well for this last week against, or two weeks ago against UCLA. Uh, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to break down the Buffaloes. Are you ready? I am ready. Go. Okay, so they started out 5-0 and before losing last week 30-21 to to USC, but they had only beaten Colorado State, Nebraska, New Hampshire, UCLA, and ASU. They have arguably the best wide receiver in the conference in Lavishka Chenault Jr. He has the third most receiving yards in the country. They're led by uh, Montez, who is their starting quarterback. Uh, he has pretty much the identical QBR of Jake Browning, and they are basically middle of the road at everything. <laughs> Wow, you had five seconds to spare. You could have yawned or like burped and still would have had <laughs> plenty of time there. Well done. Uh, yeah, nice. you, you said it there. Uh, J- Jake Browning beat um, beat Oregon in Oregon when they were wearing the Webfoot jerseys. Montez famously mm-hmm. beat Oregon at Oregon uh, when they were wearing the uh, the Puddles uniforms with the orange cleats oh, and they looked like nice. the actual mascot. 
Um, that was the first yep. time they decided to to look like clowns and and uh, and and choke at home. Uh, you mentioned that was sh- only the first time. <laughs> well, wow. I mean, like <laughs> beyond the usual level of of absurdity yes. of the uniforms. Yes. Um, someone had it maybe in our in our um oh my no there we go Sean Carr uh, shouts out who said that um, after Oregon missed the field goal they missed the field goal in the middle of that game not at the end uh, that you know it's tough to hit in between goalposts when your entire team looks like goalposts uh, with the all yellow jerseys there so, so credit Sean there very confusing yeah for sure uh, but you mentioned LaVisca Chanel for for Colorado a true game breaker uh, 11 touchdowns in six games for Boulder 41 percent of their touchdowns and he also might not play in this game I really oh, hope he really? does yeah his uh, he's got a I think an ankle injury um, so oh, there's, wow. his status is in question I hope that he does uh, because he is truly sure. one of the, the best players in the conference, and, and that will make it um, a much more interesting game. Chenault, um, funny story about him. So I was just reading about him. LaVisca Chenault got really into football in high school because his high school basketball team, after his freshman year, would not let him play in Texas uh, because he had dreadlocks. So it was basically cut your hair, no way. cut your hair, or uh, you can't play. He said, screw it, uh, I can play football and keep my hair, and uh, he has done quite well for himself. Uh, LaVisca still has his dreadlocks, uh, by the way. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he was an awful basketball player, too. Good God, the guy is, is tearing yeah. up the Pac-12 as a, as a sophomore. Um, yeah, maybe that's our great cat, is the uh, that Texas high school basketball coach. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's talk about the conference this week. Um, you mentioned it. Utah is looking real good. Uh, they, they scored 40 points for the second straight week, 42-10 victory over Arizona, um, taking care of business there. UCLA, we called it. Ben Burkirvan really yeah. called it. They are good uh, or better than better than their record suggested. They finally get on the win column. They laid the wood on Cal 37-7. Uh, uh, DTR looked great in that game, certainly a, a budding uh, budding program there and, and a, a good win for Chip Kelly getting that thing off the ground and then uh, USC providing a little bit of a reality bomb for, for Boulder there uh, winning 31-20 to in a game that would have set Colorado up real well but uh, uh, the talent was on full display in that game that uh, Boulder's not that good yeah I mean we've talked at length about the lack of quality in their schedule so far mm-hmm. and how bad their that opponent's records combined record was um, but yeah, this is a big one for USC that kind of gives them, I think, I think it gives them a bit of a hold on the South. Yeah. I think they're now in first place, if I'm not mistaken. They are in the um, driver's seat for sure. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if they can hold that. I mean, nothing is, nothing is for sure in this conference this season. So, uh, who knows what'll happen? Nope. Uh, nope, nope, nope. But, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, Great run for Colorado to start out five and zero, albeit against poor opponents, just because they were picked to to be so poor this year by the by the uh, media in the preseason. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, and UCLA, I don't know. Like I said, just don't know what we have in UCLA, and also Cal. Like they just lost by thirty. This was a team that beat BYU, and we thought that was great, and then BYU got trounced by Utah State. Just. Just mayhem, just mayhem. For sure, and and we'll see the mayhem on full display this week uh, in the Pac-12. On Thursday night, we get Stanford at ASU in a true who the <laughs> hell knows game. And like yeah. you could tell me, 
it uh, you know say just say the score on Friday morning when I wake up and you say uh, I was forty two to ten. I would have mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind, or I would have uh, no qualms if you said actually ASU won by that by forty two or forty two <laughs> to ten or Stanford. Yeah. It, it could be any range of outcomes in that game. Um, just given everything that's going on with Stanford, and and we really don't even know how good ASU is. They look they look good. The talent's there. It's in Tempe. Uh, it could be wild there. And he and Bryce Love is still questionable, so uh, mm-hmm. that is something to keep an eye on too. Because yeah. that was obviously a big loss for them this past or have been two weekends ago when they lost to uh, Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any Stanford team that can't run the ball is in a weird spot. Uh, we have Cal going to Corvallis this week. Uh, this might be the the first Pac-12 win in the Jay Smitty era in in Oregon State. Um, oh. it, it's sneaky chance for that. I mean, Oregon State okay. their offense is way ahead of their defense at this point, uh, but Cal's defense is way ahead of their offense. So uh, it should be interesting um, now that now that there's no real worry about uh, UW strength of schedule or anything like that. Go Beefs! You know, get it done this week. Let's let's do Why it. Why not? Uh, yeah. Uh, another another big one is that USC at Utah mm-hmm. game, which uh, is kind of crazy because if Utah were to win that, they would then have the tiebreak over USC, assuming the Huskies take care of business against the Buffs. Uh, the Buffs would also be three and two. You would have a three-way tie. No, sorry, they would be two and two. So you kind of have a logjam at top. Uh, yep. Utah would still has the buffs on their schedule, so that would lead up to potentially a South-defining game um, later this season. Yep. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things to watch in the South this week. Yep, you nailed it there. The winner of the SC at Utah game controls their own destiny in the South. should be interesting there. And then the last game in the conference, uh, Arizona at UCLA. Uh, uh, Khalil Tate is out in this game. UCLA might win by 30 in this game, and I, I feel pretty confident in saying that, that they are going to, to lay the wood. U of A is kind of in shambles. Uh, Rich Rodriguez's legacy is firmly uh, affecting Arizona, uh, not only in the $6.3 million buyout he negotiated at the end of this season, or last season, uh, but his son, Rhett Rodriguez, was Khalil Tate's backup, uh, came in last week. And we'll uh, we'll start against UCLA this week, so you just can't get oh rid of Rich Rodriguez. <laughs> I had no idea. I actually don't know. Do you know what the situation is with Khalil Tate? Because I didn't watch any football other than than the Husky game this weekend, and then I went into hibernation. So yeah, no, t- Tate is out. He um, he's had a weird season, um, just kind of up and down, given the expectations uh, for him this year, where he was a you know sneaky dark horse. Uh, candidate to, to, to do very yeah. well didn't end up happening uh, and then well I said last game of the conference but really the true last game is the, the Oregon Wazoo game we kind of already talked about it winner controls yeah, yeah. their destiny in the north um, I this is an all time everyone's eyes are watching cooging cooging it opportunity and uh, I, I I don't hope that happens but no way yeah. <laughs> the, the we potent- are huge the cooter. potential is is so there though I don't want that at all. No. I am I am the biggest Cougar fan this weekend than I maybe have ever been. Now, I mean, I would still be rooting for the even if UW had won this past week, and we were on top in the North and didn't matter that we needed Oregon to lose. I still would be rooting for the Cougs because I just can't ever root for Oregon. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't even drink beer from Eugene. Like 
I just that's just a life decision I've made. How many um, how many beers so, are you having to cut out of your life by, by that choice? Well, I don't drink Ninkasi. I've been offered Ninkasi many times in my life, and I've never drank one. So wow. uh, that's how deep it goes. So just giving you some context there. But uh, yeah, we are massive WSU. Yeah, you know you have to make those decisions, those tough decisions yeah. in your life. Yeah, but uh, we are massive Cougar fans this weekend. Goes without saying. All right, let's get out of the Pac-12, our weird conference that uh, probably doesn't have too much of a future in the grand scheme of things because we're going to talk about <laughs> the actual grand scheme of things, the college football party scene, uh, the big winner, winners, winners uh, from last week. I think I <laughs> That's that the before. second week you've done that God. in three weeks. <laughs> uh, wow. Anyways, the big winners in last week hey. – uh, LSU hanging in there uh, in the discussion here. Uh, they beat Georgia. Obviously, that'll bump Georgia into the loser category. UCF uh, looked like they were dead to right against Memphis. They just won't die. Um, they came back to win that game 31-30. They are still undefeated. Um, they will certainly make some noise and sign some some strong strongly worded emails as to why they should be in the college football playoff. Uh, hint, they won't. Uh, Michigan absolutely exposes Wisconsin as if Wisconsin hadn't already been exposed at some point this season. Um, and then the big losers, there were plenty. You and I talked about the Pittsburgh oh, game. Yeah. Pittsburgh was in a position uh, to beat Notre Dame in Notre Dame, similar to how Syracuse was in a position to beat yeah. uh, beat Clemson. Uh, it got so bad for Pitt. So Pitt, Pitt was on a fourth and three driving. I think they're down three. And they, instead of going for it, they ran a fake punt. Uh, the only problem with the fake punt was that there were no receivers in the play. And so the uh, the the pit punter, instead of just punting it and, and salvaging the play, threw it out of bounds uh, to just give yeah, the ball back. Yeah, or tucking it and trying to get the first down, <sighs> maybe on their feet. <laughs> yeah, but he, he might have lost his, you know, his legs had he done that. But uh, either way. They pitted. They they certainly pitted, um, so totally pitted. Uh, Penn State, <laughs> <laughs> nice you caught that one. Uh, Penn yeah. State loses to Michigan State, and I think Michigan State's sole purpose in college football is just to throw a blender or a fork in the blender every single year because yep. I feel like they're always a part of something like this. Um, Watch it happen this week against Michigan. Yeah, exactly. They're still in the <laughs> still with their uh, their their hands on the fork, putting it in the outlet, uh, about to yes. really mess things up. Auburn, good God. I, I can't God. even... It's probably, like, worse than thinking about the Oregon game is thinking about how badly we should have beat Auburn, given how badly they're playing. Losing at home to Tennessee, who hadn't beaten an SEC team in two years. Uh, unbelievable. They aren't ranked anymore. Ugh. They're out of the rankings. I can't even click on... I want to look at their schedule, and I can't even click on them because they're not in these rankings. You can't even click on you, <laughs> Gus Malzahn. You F this up so badly. Uh, Wisconsin, just go away. I'm so glad that their lack of scheduling is getting exposed. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia, the similarities to the 2012 Geno Smith team are just crazy. West Virginia this season starts out, I think, 6-0, and maybe 5-0. and um, But they lose this week. Uh, same with that 2012 West Virginia team that was 5-0, and beating everyone. They beat Texas, beat Baylor. Um, and then uh, Geno Smith looked like your runaway Heisman candidate. Will Greer wasn't quite that, but had had some great numbers, uh, and then they get exposed uh, in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. To, to, uh... Fun fact about this one. Uh-huh. Uh, well, first, 
hats off to the Cyclones because they have beaten a ranked Oklahoma State team and now a very highly ranked West Virginia team in back-to-back weeks. But additional to that, I saw that 30% of the players Iowa State played were freshmen this past week. Wow. Which is a huge amount. So they were not only doing against a good opponent, but they were doing it with a lot of inexperienced players. So... Uh, yeah, great win from the Cyclones. That's some good uh, good dorm room corn there for sure. Oh, Get, yeah. Getting those boys oh, beefed yeah. up, ready to play. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Georgia uh, losing to LSU looks like they will certainly have to beat Alabama to make it into the playoff at this point. Um, mm-hmm. That puts us, uh, speaking of playoff, in a position to kind of start talking about these things. It's still a fun conversation uh, and almost more freeing. It's kind of sure. like talking about the NCAA tournament. Uh, when your team is not in the NCAA tournament, you can kind of be a little objective about it. Um, yep. But this year with the playoff, if it started today, I don't think there's any way that it's not Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Uh, the four undefeated teams left. I mean, the NC State is also undefeated, I guess, and so is UCF. But Hey, UCF, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I tried to kill them earlier. Um, yeah. The only situations that are kind of still on the table, realistically, are teams that could make it in. LSU is a path, right? If you beat Alabama and can win the SEC championship, Georgia, uh, if they, you know, win out, win the SEC championship, both those teams are still alive, but both of those things require beating Alabama, which sounds um, absolutely impossible at this point, but you never know. Michigan is in play. All they have to do is just beat Ohio State um, at the end of the season. Whoever's on the other side of the other division which will probably still be wisconsin i yeah. don't know uh, <laughs> who yeah. knows i don't know oh, about okay. the other that could be illinois for all i know in the, 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 the <laughs> um but yeah so that, so interesting with with michigan all they have to do is do the one thing that jim harbaugh hasn't done uh beat ohio state and then oklahoma is still in there uh oklahoma would need bama to win out and to take care of business against lsu and georgia to eliminate them and then they also are hoping for a clemson or notre dame choke job uh, by the end of the season so oklahoma huge fans of usc uh, as they play uh notre dame at the very last game of the regular season i didn't mention oregon yeah yeah john wilner laid out that that uh it's probably not going to happen for the pac-12 this year Washington was that flag bearer. Uh, they have obviously squandered that opportunity. I don't. There's just no way that Oregon could get in. Uh, we kind of talked about this pre-show. What do you think? No, there's there's no way. I mean, even if they won out, this just their they didn't have a single they didn't play a single Power Five team in their non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, the worst team. The worst one-loss team to make it into the uh, cultural playoff has been the University of Washington Huskies, I would say, in 2016, just on paper at least. Yeah. And and at least we had beaten a Power 5 team in the non-conference. Um, their, their schedule, Oregon's schedule, um, at the end of the season, if they were to win out, is going to be worse than, than the schedule we had that season. So um, I don't think there's there's any chance they make it and i also don't think they're going to win out so mm-hmm. um yeah i just i just don't see it happen yeah so so really we're, we're talking about the four teams that are currently in uh and then lsu georgia michigan uh and oklahoma i think that's about texas it. what about texas very true very true i mean 
Texas obviously beat Oklahoma. They're they're in the mm-hmm. exact same boat as a one loss team, and certainly the narrative uh, would would help carry them into the playoff. I just don't see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless unless yeah, I don't uh, either. Unless Clemson loses, um, then you can look at like schedule head to, or schedule versus schedule maybe. Uh, but I, I still just think that uh, the Big Twelve with with West Virginia laying an egg this week is not in a position to get a team in uh, unless they get some serious help from from the teams that are. Um, that are currently in the playoff right now. All right, I, I agree. There's there's one more team that we need to mention. Yeah, the Kentucky Wildcats. Hell yeah! <laughs> Just because you know it's uh, it's Kentucky. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna put Georgia through the wood chipper in a couple weeks. Yeah, as yeah. We and honestly, if they do, they would be uh, they would be top of the top of the division, I believe. Yeah, and I I, I, I would love I, to see a, a Kentucky they, Alabama SEC championship. Because it's either going to be exactly what you would expect, or Kentucky just trying everything in the <laughs> world. Like yes. we're talking Tanya Harding level stuff uh, to make this happen, because they just wouldn't know what to do with themselves in that situation. Boise State versus Oklahoma, <laughs> the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, first first play Statue of Liberty. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it could be fun uh, with with the SEC getting getting all kinds of weird at the end of the season. Uh, big games yep. this week. You, you mentioned it. Michigan at Michigan State. Michigan State loves to uh, to win these types of games uh, and to not matter at the end of the season. I know they made a playoff uh, in the first year, but still, um, just a, a team that that is all team chaos, uh, but uh, but not actual uh, real win production at the end of the season. NC State at Clemson. Uh, NC State yeah. is undefeated. Uh, not not the like impressive kind of undefeated but they are very the Colorado good. type of undefeated exactly exactly and and Before actually um was was weathered out of having to play West Virginia this year um so yeah their one difficult game didn't actually happen so that could be interesting NC State at least has some ability to be Clemson stay tuned on that and then game day I think that uh that Oregon Wazoo game uh for certainly our purposes but uh for the rest of the country is is incredibly interesting this week did I miss anything games of the week yeah, I had one more. I had Mississippi State at LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU is a six and a half point favorite, but Mississippi State brings in the nation's top scoring defense at only twelve point seven points per game. So uh, that one should be just like a six to three finish or some crazy stuff like that. Uh, Mississippi State is coming off a twenty three to nine win against Auburn, who was ranked eighth at that time. So uh, not so much anymore, but uh, yeah. Yeah, the Mississippi State could uh, could could make some noise in Death Valley, and then also kind of for our purposes, Auburn plays uh, at Ole Miss this this week in uh, what could be a scary result if if Auburn can't get it done. We're talking yeah. about a situation where they might not. They could lose six game. games. Yeah, it would it would be. They could be, lose. It'd be really dark. They, Texas A&M, Georgia and Alabama still on their schedule. So those are three games that they probably won't be favored in. Or, and they already have three losses. Or are they setting themselves up for the perfect destruction of the Alabama football program? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe they will be the Michigan State of the SEC this year. Yeah, because a loss to a, six, be a five or six loss Auburn um, would, be, uh, would be incredible. Um, all right, That'd so let's, let's, let's put Mark Jones somewhere. Uh, what, what do you got for Mark Jones? Just real quick on on this before we go, though. Uh, okay. I sent Mark Jones to New Mexico last week to watch uh, yep. uh, KJ Carter Samuels get it done in, in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. He did exactly that. Uh, throws for 311 yards 
And guess what KJ Carter Samuels did? He led a game-winning field goal drive in a tie game at the end of regulation. <laughs> uh, that was just oh, incredible to read. Oh, great for him. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I This week, uh, to go off of that, I am sending Mark Jones to Louisiana Tech, which is in Ruston, Louisiana. They are hosting the the feared uh, UTEP Miners, where uh, L- Louisiana Tech is a 24-point favorite over the El Pasoans. So uh, it should be a pretty poor game, and you're in Ruston, Louisiana. So enjoy. Yeah, that's tough. I actually um, wanted to send Mark Jones. This is kind of off the beaten path. We should send him to, to a place like Ruston, uh, Louisiana, that's just a, an absolute hellhole. Uh, we are sending him this week in my book... <laughs> Go to Pullman, Washington, Mark Jones, because oh. you're, you're about to see uh, all the reasons that you shouldn't talk mess about the Pac-12 uh, in just yeah. our own weird way. Uh, go check out Pullman. Experience this, our own brand of, of weird football up there. Um, I, th- I think uh, I think your mind will change on how you how you talk about the Pac-12 after that. You're too, you're too kind to him, That's... but I get your point. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Uh, yeah, Pullman's a special place. It really is. I, I don't I don't really have any problems with Pullman. But... I would rather go to Pullman than Ruston, Louisiana. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. To the end of our our podcast here, we'll end it as we always do with our weekly Great Cat and OKG awards. Uh, I'm sure you and I have the same one of the same ones for the Great Cat. This happened midweek last week, so we didn't get to discuss it as it happened. Uh, but the Pac-12 conference for interfering with a targeting call in the middle of the Wazoo uh, USC game, which is astronomical to me in the sense of terrible for like 50 different reasons. The first of which is why would you ever, ever, ever want to do this? Because you're going to end up with egg on your face as you're the conference that got in the middle of a, a, a call that is supposed to protect your student athletes who don't get paid their brains. You said, no, it's not a, it's not a call. Uh, it's not a targeting call, even though it was very clearly a call. Also, it was a Friday night game. There's no other game on, and everyone is watching this one. It's not like a mid middle of the day on Saturday. Oh, we can slip this under the rug. Uh, I mean, for those that were watching, this was this was a very obvious thing as it happened. A, a Wazoo linebacker uh, launched his head into JT Daniels as he was kneeling, and they called it off, said that it wasn't targeting, and then defended. Uh, a different call in that game um, with the Porter Guskin thing, as we talked about earlier this this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's it's embarrassing for the conference to even have any sort of of uh, of of claim that they're protecting players at this point. I I don't know how many more of these situations we have to go through before we like the conference lets Larry Scott go, but. I feel like this has got to be it or very close to it. It's just like, it's just continuously this conference can't get out of their own way. And in many cases, we are the laughingstock of, of college football. Um, especially, I mean, it's been storied that and from officiating standpoint, that is the case. But just our overall PR in the last two seasons has been terrible. And it all lies at the feet of Larry Scott. And I just cannot wait for this guy to just move on to whatever the next job he's going to ruin because it has really been rough going with this guy at the helm so far. Yeah, it's it's a guy who is, is very 
uh, very clearly in tune with his business interests and not very clearly in tune with anything else. Uh, and I'm, nope. glad, I'm glad that it's kind of getting exposed, and I, I'm sure that someone capable uh, will come in because I mean, it's 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 just a, it's such a bad look, especially in the in the era of uh, trying to to you know position your conference against others in the college football mm-hmm. playoff, the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, More so than ever before. Exactly. And you need a spokesperson. You need someone that people take seriously, and we do not have that right now. Um, no, not at all. On a, on a very I, – I don't even feel like doing the other ones because I, I really just uh, – nobody else deserves that award this week um, than, than Larry Scott. Uh, I will say I was Other than very, Mark Jones. Yes. I was very frustrated uh, with Dylan Mitchell uh, this week. He drove me absolutely insane mm-hmm. because we, we called it before. He's there – uh, the Ducks' leading receiver. They threw him a lot, and he was open a lot. Very frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. And also, I can't stand Puddles, the mascot, uh, the Oregon Duck mascot. He just makes me want to <laughs> rip, my, rip my eye sockets out uh, every time I see him. That That is very fair. Uh, I also had anybody who publicly blames an 18-year-old for missing a field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also my great Catalyst. I didn't necessarily see any of these... Uh, myself, but I know there these people are oh, out there. Exist. So I just, yeah. So uh, maybe just grow up. So that's my other great cat of the week. Or the people that blame a a 22 year old senior quarterback for a game that he really had nothing to do with. Um, True. That that's that that population also exists. Uh, to the much more positive, same people probably. <laughs> yes, yes. These people, uh, you can find them in Arlington, Washington. Um, <laughs> moving on to the much more positive OKG of the week uh, for this week, I had a few. I'm sure this guy's on your list. Ben Burkirvan with another 19 tackles, yes. uh, up to 93 yep. for the season. My God. Yeah, yeah, that was my number one uh, this week on OKG of the week. He was named to the midseason All American team first team today so uh obviously getting some national praise for the production he's thrown out this season but yeah just i remember last podcast i said yeah and i wouldn't expect 15 he had 15 tackles against ucla i wouldn't expect anything less and he proved us right uh he had 19 so just another amazing display from ben mccurvin yeah we're gonna get uh, a, a push for a hashtag here um, I, I tried to do it over text the other night, but I, I've really, really fine-tuned it over the, uh, the last two days. Uh, okay. The uh, hashtag, capital B, capital B, Ednari, and then uh, 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 capital K at the end of it for the BBK Bednarik Award for the best defensive yep. player in college football. I like it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to push that because he is okay. uh, he's our best candidate we've had in quite some time, and the, and the counting stats really add up. All we need is like a, a pick six, a scoop and score, maybe a sack or two to add on to that resume. And I think BBK's got it. Um, and certainly the, the competition in the next couple of weeks certainly provides that opportunity. Yep, I agree. Uh, my other OKG of the week was just college football in general. Once again, approving that, uh, that you are truly the best. Eight ranked teams losing this week, uh, four of which were top 10 teams. Uh, just continues to be more entertaining than literally anything I've ever come across in my life. So there's that. And then also I thought Chris Peterson handled Austin Joyner's retire- concussion retirement really mm-hmm. well. Um, I think you may have – do you know his quote off the top of your head? Uh, yeah, it was, it, was basically, he, he, it was basically Chris Peterson saying that, um, you know, Austin Joyner having to retire is 
is honestly a, a, a credit to the amount of like progress that's been made. And this is something that doesn't happen. Um, I think he said eight years ago, eight why, years ago. Why, yeah. he, why yeah. he chose eight specifically. Um, but I mean, it's, it, it's something that, uh, is some is where the awareness of the injury and the, the importance of it. And even Austin Joyner, uh, Adam Jude had a story about how Austin Joyner coming out of high school, um, was very cognizant of how running backs take more trauma than defensive players, and so that's why he wanted to play ah, defense in college. Um, and so for him to see, to, for 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 us to see Joyner continue to talk and to, to you know to make the educated decision about his future um, mm-hmm. after uh, whatever his concussion total was at this point in his career, um, you know it's it's a very unfortunate a player that was you know had a, a, a interception in last year's Fiesta Bowl. Um, to 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 lose him for this team, uh, but something that you know I, I absolutely credit Austin Joyner for being brave enough to um, to look at what his medical history is and, and to make that decision. Sure, sure, yeah. So couple that Coach Pete and Austin Joyner, yeah, as well to round off my OKGs. Great call. I had a couple more. Sean McGrew filling in for Miles Gaskin and uh, yep. Savon Ahmed. Uh, was just outstanding on that last drive um, uh, before the Peyton Henry missed missed field goal there. Um, I think he had you know close to 25 yards of, of total offense. Uh, the the key fourth down catch there, just just a really cool effort there by Sean McGrew in a, a situation that that he was probably not planning for. And a guy that you know at some point this season we were like, oh what what's going to happen with Sean McGrew? He doesn't really seem to be a part of the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have certainly kept him in there, um, which is which is just great for building a program. And then lastly uh, is Jalen Johnson for handling that targeting call the way he did. Um, you know, we saw yep. earlier this year, we talked about how Utah players acted after they had been given the targeting call um, in much more blatant situations than I think that, that Jalen Johnson had. Uh, Jalen Johnson knew it immediately, took his helmet off, was hoping for a different result, I'm sure. Uh, but once they mm-hmm. said, you know, ejected for targeting, he was very calm, cool, collected. I think that is the sign of a player who has been educated about the, what that rule is um, and just understands the realities there. And I think that Coach Peterson's uh, comments later in the week uh, echo that sentiment of uh, that that rule is in there for a good reason. And um, if it happens, it happens. But um, it's not a, a thing to, to be angry or upset about because uh, that's the type of thing that's going to save this sport. Yep, and they didn't end up scoring on that drive anyway. So, um... yeah. Didn't really hurt us as much as as it could have, I guess. But. Yes, and and you saw. I don't want to do this thing too much, but you saw how uh, the Oregon players' reaction was to being ejected earlier in that game. It was a yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't at, at happy with it. No, um, so yeah, just much just more obvious things. too. I don't I don't want to be that that you know at least we lost in a dignified way uh, type type guy. Uh, however, yep. I. Um, I, I do credit Jalen Johnson for, for maintaining poise in that situation that was undoubtedly frustrating um, during that. But uh, what can you do? Uh, all right, that is it for us. Uh, tough week, but I think uh, it was productive. I feel I feel better. I feel like I got some things off my chest this week. Yeah, let's uh, get back in the saddle, roll through, uh, roll through Colorado, and then finish off strong and hopefully go to the... Uh, Pac-12 championship game. How about it? How about it? Let's get uh, member Kirkman award too. That's that's our. There legacy. we go. That's our legacy. There we go. <laughs> get get Ben some, some hardware. Hashtags. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right, Stan. Uh, take it easy. Look, everybody knows all right. I'm a See ya. And it's every girl bread ball hog. It's Uncle Pawn, aka Dude Trey, making big.
Thanks to Stanton for coming on, and thanks to you all for listening. See you next week. Train killing dogs who put an endless work. It's the dog pound, suck that step up or get murked. Growling and barking, coming down the tunnel. Uh oh, the wild dogs walk out of the kennel. All they want to do is run a hit. So watch out, cause you about to get big. Sorry, you buns in the back can't win. We top of the